The scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, Chris, for putting uh, those videos together. Uh, I know I've been encouraged to hear the stories that many of you have shared with us about how the Lord is working through you to the people around you, how you are loving others and, and caring for those living around you. Thank you for sharing. And, and I'd encourage you, continue to share, because we as a, a, a body can begin to encourage each other as we step into this vision and this call to love God and love others. And you can email us directly at stories at stonebridge.org if you have one to share. And as you saw, it'll be kept anonymous because we want to share what the Lord is doing through you because as we always pray, it's not about Stonebridge. It's about His kingdom and what Christ is doing. Well, we continue our series today, and we move into the next circle in this series that we've been called Placed for a Purpose, and this is our third week in this series, and we're going to be covering the middle circle this morning, around your homes. And so I'd encourage you, if you, if you missed a week, if you missed last week, or this is your first time joining us, uh, go back and listen to the last two weeks of, of sermons. It will help give a good framework of where we're headed. You can find them on our website. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, I love podcasts, and that's an easy place to find sermons. What I really love, too, is you can speed it up a little bit, so you can listen to one and a half or two times. I recommend that for sermons, mainly because I preach them, too. And Either way, that point is, go back, listen to the last two weeks, because it helps frame out our conversation in this series. Two weeks ago, Kevin Soon and I were up here and we shared about the call from Luke 10 to love God and love others. Then Kevin last week brought that call into the sphere of here, Stonebridge, and what that looks like here. And, and today we're moving outside of these walls to your walls, outside of the property lines here and to where you call home. Now, interestingly enough, at least to me, uh, that this story of Mary and Martha that we're following, it follows directly after the story Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. Many commentators believe that that's intentional on Luke's part because there is, while there's so much to be gleaned from this passage, there's a larger picture that Luke is trying to paint for us that in the Good Samaritan, we see, we see him stepping out in service and care for the individual. And Luke builds on that picture by then showing the good of sitting and being present. Serving and sitting, caring and knowing. These go hand in hand. 
And again, as we step into this week, there's a desire that we all share that those around us, the place that God has, the, the, the home that God has placed us in our neighborhoods, that the people around us share that we need to understand. But it can come with a cost. It can come with a cost. But as we begin, let me take a moment and pray for our remainder of our time together. Heavenly Father, as we approach your word today, may you open our eyes to see you, Christ. Open our minds to understand your word and its call upon us. Soften our hearts to receive your grace and to extend your grace to those around us. Lord, may we see that we sing, there's nothing better than you, and yet in my own heart, there are so many other things that I act as though are better than you. Lord, we also take this moment to pray for those gathered, our neighbor churches gathering in worship around us this morning. I pray you would be glorified today, Christ, that your word would go forth, and as people here and there, as we're sent from this place, we would not merely listen to your word, but as James Wright writes, we would step out and do what it calls us to do. I pray this in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. Well, back in 2000 to 2004, I was working on my undergrad in a small school in Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, I've shared some stories about that time and place before. The winters are brutal up in Minneapolis. Today's like a short day for, for them. They don't, they don't bust out their winter jackets when it's only 20. Right? It's, it's a lot colder, uh, but I have fond memories of my time there. It's a beautiful city, and that's where I met Amanda, and wonderful memories of walking in the snow with her, not walking in the snow, walking in the snow with her. Uh, but right next to our school, right next door to our school, was this tiny little diner called the Bandbox. It was this great little spot. Uh, it opened in 1939, and in fact, um, our school's... I, I shouldn't say only claim to fame, but one of our claim to fames is we're in the movie The Mighty Ducks. Have you ever seen them? And so is this diner. But uh, it, it's one of the oldest operating diners in Minneapolis. And for a, a long time, it only sat 14 people. You can only get eight at the counter and, and six at the windows. Then they expanded, and they practically doubled their size uh, when they expanded. But it was one of those places that was a cheers-type place. And if you know that reference, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Cheers was that show where everybody knows your name, right? This was one of those diners that you'd go in and the locals were always there. The same owner that when I was in college is still the same owner today, uh, knew what you ordered. And he'd start making it as soon as you walked in. And so it was one of those places that I loved going on a regular basis and enjoying breakfast. I'm sure you have memories as well of some place where you're not just a customer, you're an individual. You're seen, you're known, and, and maybe even loved. But perhaps for some of you, you haven't experienced that, and, and it creates in you a pang of, of missing out, a longing for something. I think that gets at the story of our hearts, and it gets at what Martha experiences here in this passage. See, the story of our hearts is the, to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. These core longings, these motivations are at the core of every human heart. 
really echoes back to the garden. When, when God would walk with Adam and Eve, that picture of walking with them was one of being with them, one of seeing them and knowing them and loving them. And when God creates Eve, she's described as being bone of Adam's very bone, flesh of his very flesh. And the imagery was, you are deeply known. You are seen. See, you and I know what it's like to be in a room full of people and not be seen. We know what it's like to be in a group of people and never be known, to be around others and to not be loved. Martha could understand this. Busily serving, busily preparing and hosting, and yet feeling more and more unseen by the people around her. This story of the human heart is an important place for us to start as we talk about being placed for a purpose in our neighborhoods. Because if I feel it, if I know it, if I know what that feels like, it's pretty safe to say that the people that live around you have that same longing, have that same heart. The people that we drive past on our way to work, that we wave to as we mow our lawns at the same time, have the same hunger to be seen, known, and loved. You and I share this heart hunger with them. And we share the endeavor to fill our hearts, to be seen, to be known, to be loved. We sang in Graves into Garden that one song, I Searched the World. just as we've done the same and found that there's nothing better than him to fill that longing. That same call is on the hearts of those that live around us. The image of God is still present in those around us, whether they profess faith in Jesus Christ or not. And they are searching to fill that need, that heart hunger, whether in relationships or career or possessions or substances. We, we do the same thing. And if we begin our journey of seeing that we're placed for a purpose, of neighboring, of stepping into the lives of others, if we begin our journey by remembering our similarities, by reminding ourselves what we say we believe, that the image of God, even broken, is in every single person. And even the marks of the fall are in us as they are in every single person. Would that cause us to stop and look at the homes around us with a posture of wanting them to be seen, to be known, and to be loved? See, with Martha, we see Jesus lovingly remind her of a higher good. Not that serving and hosting and hospitality aren't good things. Jesus is not making a right and wrong distinction here. He's not saying that, but it's more about the kind of relationship. When we host, is it so people see our nice things or are we present with the people that come into our home? The issue is not who was doing what, but what kind of relationship Martha had with Jesus versus the kind of relationship Mary had with Jesus. And sometimes good things can still crowd, crowd out in our hearts other good things, maybe better things, maybe higher priorities. Winnie the Pooh said, sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. 
Do I see my neighbors as projects to be saved? Or as people to see, know, and love? And through that, reflect Christ. In a few moments, we'll get into some practical steps, I think, to begin living this out. But first, we begin by seeing that this desire that's in us, this story that's in us, is also in our neighbors, but it also can come with a cost. Stepping out into this, living this out, can come at a cost for you. Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, goes against the grain of the culture. Which that's amazing in and of itself to ponder upon the fact that a woman was sitting at uh, Jesus' feet here and the implications that it has. But for our purpose today, we see her saying no. We see her creating margin in her life to sit at his feet. To be present in a person's life requires time. However, sometimes we're so busy and, and, and over-involved and over, overworked that we don't have the bandwidth or time to be present. But again, the challenge and the thing to wrestle with in our hearts is it's not a bad, good, right, wrong thing. It's a good, good thing that we have to wrestle with that's good to process and talk through and pray through. We also see a willingness to be interrupted. Right? To, to, to be present and to, be, uh, to love our neighbors requires a willingness to be interrupted. And, and, and some of us, interruptions come hard because we really like to plan. We really like to schedule. We really, we really like to know how our day is going to go. And so when somebody comes in or something happens, the interruption can, can, can be jarring and throw you for a loop. But it's not just for the planners, that interruptions can be difficult. See, because I think the other side too, if we're so busy, if we're just go, 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 focused on what we're doing, maybe not planning and that kind of a thing, we, we also can be blind to the interruptions around us. John Ortberg in one of his books says, love takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. This week, a friend reminded me of a study that had happened uh, in the early 70s, and it was inspired by the Good Samaritan. Uh, There there were these scientists that wanted to study the situational impact on people. And so it's, it's now called the Good Samaritan Study. It's been recreated a couple times. But the original study took place with Princeton Theological Seminary students. And so what the scientists wanted to, to see is, is just the impact of time on somebody stepping into being a good Samaritan. And so they had two groups of people that they told, you have to prepare a talk that you're going to have to give across campus. Interestingly enough, it was on Luke 10, the Good Samaritan. You can probably see where this study is going. So they told them they had to prepare it, and then they had to get across campus where they were going to present their talk. And of course, along the way, they were going to bump into someone to see what they do. So one group, they told them, uh, they, they told them all that stuff, and, and then individually, they were like, okay, you've got to go. You're going to be late. You're already running behind. You just need to go. You need to get across campus and go, go present. And the other group, they told them, hey, you, might, you, you can go ahead and go now. You've got plenty of time, but just go ahead and go. You'll get there a little bit early, but it, it's okay. You've got plenty of time. What they found was of the late people, only 10% stopped 
to help the guy that was stooped in the doorway coughing. And of the group that had time and were early, 63% stopped to help. Now, the scientist's point was not about disposition of people, but they wanted to understand just the situational impact that, it, that situations and such things can have on us. And I think what's fascinating, again, is this, this idea that it's, it's hard to welcome interruptions in our lives, the mess that can be loving others, when we don't have margin. When we're too busy potentially running around, hurried and harried. The cost of needing to say no to some things to create room to be present, to love and to see those around us. There's a cost that comes with that. There's no doubt Mary knew the cost of playing host. And again, this wasn't bad on Martha's part, yet in the moment, there was a priority to being present. And I think it would be good for us to, to wrestle in our hearts and, 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 and look over our time commitments and lay them at the Lord's feet and assess what he's calling us to. Assess our time and our use of it. And I know, I know some have, have wondered that if I'm heavily involved in, in a ministry, but it's not in my own neighborhood, am, am I living into this vision that we're talking about? Am I, am, I, am I doing this? And I think that's worth assessing. It's worth laying at the Lord's feet and, and saying, Lord, is, is this a ministry that I need to be as heavily involved in? Because again, it's not a good, bad thing. It's not a right, wrong thing. It's a good, good thing. And maybe I need to pull back there to be a little more present. But notice what we've talked about is three spheres. Involvement at Stonebridge, around your homes, and across Charlotte. And so what I first would say, I'd call someone who's not involved in any of those to get in the game. To get involved somewhere, to step into the vision of Stonebridge somewhere. But maybe you're heavily inv invested in across Charlotte. Again, it's okay to take time to pray through that. But you're involved. You're a part of the vision. But I do think there is a step that we can take in this middle circle that doesn't cost much. We can pray for the people that live around us. We can pray for those that call home right next door to us. I believe it's between you and the Lord. If you might be Martha-ing more than Mary-ing, Yes, I just verbified their names. You're welcome. That's a corny joke that the one person that I know who really loves corny jokes is in the first service, so there's less of a chuckle this service, but that's okay. There it is. So, but point is, it's between you and the Lord. To wrestle in your heart, to pray through. Lord, am I walking past the people that you've put right in my path? And should I slow down and be praying for them who share the same heart hunger that I have that's found in you? 
I think one of the things that we can do is a small exercise that our ushers on your way out are going to hand you. They're going to they're going to hand you a, a magnet attached to a sheet of paper, uh, and uh, in it there's an exercise that uh, I would encourage you to do. And if you're joining us online, uh, we've got a PDF version that you can find on our digital bulletin. It will go out in the weekly email too. If you're a, a digital person and if, if you want a magnet but you prefer digital, just take both and then just keep the magnet. And You know what I mean. But the goal of the exercise is to begin stepping into and being present of the people that live around you. So I encourage life groups, do this together. In the grow classes that, you know, if, if, if you've paid attention, we've been uh, staggering our grow classes so that what's preached on this week, our grow class next week, we'll spend a little more time talking about it. And so last week Kevin preached, and so he's up there currently. And I encourage you, uh, come early next week. We do the same class at 9 o'clock and 1030 during this series. But whether it's in life groups or grow or with a spouse or roommate or a group of friends, take time to think about the people that live around you, the place that God has placed you. So this exercise is to think about the eight closest neighbors that, around you, that are around you. The first part is, are you able to name them? Are you able to name the households of the people that live around you? Second, in, in the next part, it's, are you able to write something about them? And that, that doesn't mean like they leave their trash cans out too much or they don't cut their grass enough. Not that, right? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know what they do? Something that you learned from talking to them. And then the third part is, do you know something more in depth about them? Right? Do you know why they moved to Charlotte? Why they live here? Do you know why they chose the career that they chose? Do you know the, a, a dream that they might have for themselves or for their kids or a fear that they might have? Do you know where their heart is in relation to spiritual things and to Christ? See, it's one thing to see them, see someone. It's another thing to know them and yet another thing to love them. And I encourage you, don't be hard on yourself. You might be trying to rack your brain right now. Oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know the names of one. Not all of us can be Monica Gutais, who knows everybody everywhere. And the authors actually talk about. They've done the, the authors. This is from a book uh, called The Art of Neighboring, which is a phenomenal book. Which Brent knows the author and people reference in it. But of course, Brent knows everybody. And 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 in it, they talk about as they've done this exercise across the country. Most can't even do the first thing and. Their point is, it's okay, because you have somewhere to start. And in fact, don't feel bad because you're not alone. Don't fail and flail in the dark, share it together, and, and as a church, set goals to, to fill those grids, but even that misses it because that turns it into a Martha thing, a task thing, right? More importantly, be present with the people immediately around us. So my encouragement to you first is try this exercise. Second, let's begin praying for those that God has put us around. You might not have the bandwidth right now, and the Lord might be calling you to a different sphere, but we can pray. 
We can pray for the families around us, for their well-being, for opportunities to interact, for softened hearts and curiosity towards Christ. And thirdly, we can be present and interruptible. And one of the other things that we're excited about and looking to do and we'll share more information and details about is this idea of neighborhood grants. Because we know there are some families that the thought of hosting some neighbors or the thought of a block party or a circle party or any of those things could, could be a financial strain on you. And so we have this idea of neighborhood grants, right? Funding families to be able to host events and, and love on their neighbors, on the community around them. Really, it's an opportunity to live out what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8.14. Your supply will... <clears throat> opportunity, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. But again, more details of that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. But as we begin to wrap up, I, I, I want to bring us back to reminding us that all of this is motivated out of Christ's heart for us. Yes, we all have this hunger to be seen and known and loved. We know where that's found. We know where to seek that. And when we see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, it's, it's more than serving God by serving others. What, what Jesus is doing in that moment is saying, I'm the good portion for you. Just as he was telling the story of the Good Samaritan to say, I'm the Good Samaritan, he says, I'm the Good Portion. Literally in the Greek, in verse 42, it says, word for word, Mary has chosen the Good Portion. See, in this passage, we see that Jesus is the Good Portion. Jesus himself offers all of his grace to all the Marys, to all the Marthas. You see, what is necessary for us as followers of Jesus and those who are not yet followers is not something that we do for Jesus. Rather, it's something that he's done for us. He's given himself as the good portion to us. And in my life, my heart, my love to Jesus and giving that to him, it's not even that that brings grace. It's his life, death, and resurrection that he has given that brings grace. And for us, it's living out of that. Just as Jesus became human like us, lived among us, placed here for his purpose of reconciliation, we can live out and we can be a good portion for those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you would love us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would not forget the amazing beauty of that and it would bubble up in song to sing how great you are. And Lord, as then we go from this place, that that, that song would be on our lips to reflect to the world around us. You are our good portion. May we not lose sight of that, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.